If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Bree. And I'm Joe. And this is Crime Shots. So this one's going to be per, I, I feel like it's going to be pretty short, but who knows? We'll just have to see how it goes. But do you know, do you know who Darlene Gentry is? Uh, Darlene Gentry. No? Cool. Okay. All right. So Darlene Doskasil was born in 1974 in Cameron, Texas. Cameron! Cameron. I've been there. So for those who don't know, because you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of Cameron is in the middle, kind of between Waco, Austin and College Station. So if you take all three of those and make a triangle, Cameron's in the middle of them. Did you know that part? I didn't. I mean, I've just been there. I don't know. Right. You just drove there. Yeah. You just hit the GPS and said, let's go to Cameron. And Cameron, GPS is like, okay. Pretty much. And you went to Cameron. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. All right. So um, it's a small town, population of around 6,000 people. And it's known as Hometown, Texas. Cameron is known as Hometown, Texas? Hometown, Texas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess they just come up with whatever they want. And as long as they're the first one to get it, they win. I mean. But anyway. <laughs> what? I understand you now. I understand, when you're, I understand now where you're like, where do you come up with this stuff? Right. <laughs> I get it's it. It's just like, just rando. Doesn't doesn't matter. Doesn't they, even make sense. Yeah. There's but not. cool. Yeah. They definitely yeah. get to pick whatever they want. Yep. Go ahead. So, Darlene was, uh, uh, I don't know, everybody, so they were, (laughs) there are reports that she was built like a Barbie doll. So she was like the perfect little blonde, Like the OG Barbie doll? I don't know anything about Barbie dolls. Oh, okay. Let me fill you in. Barbie dolls don't look the same anymore. They are uh no longer, like, perfected. They are now more realistic body type. They're, hmm. they're thicker. All right, then. Anyway, so she was uh, considered attractive, blonde hair, blue eyes, all that. Mm-hmm. She was on the flag corps in high school. You know what the flag corps is? Yeah, I know what the flag corps is. You want to let everybody know what the flag corps is? Yeah. Um. So just so you know, if I describe this and it's not what you're talking about, I retract my previous yes. Um, it's <laughs> they're t- they're a part of the band and they flip the flags and all that. 
Yeah, so they, <laughs> I guess they call them color guards. Color flag corps. Color guard. We call yep. it color guard, and where I live. So. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's, it's teams the same of thing. performers who perform choreographed dances and routines with various equipment to enhance and interpret the music of the marching band. Yes. Yeah. See. Mm-hmm. Good explanation. Good. I'm so glad that I was thinking the right thing because that would have been unfortunately yeah. embarrassing. I had no idea what it is. I had to Google it. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you I had a feeling to... it was something like that, but yeah, but you weren't a I part of a like standard Texas high school experience. You didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway, so she was also the homecoming queen. Oh yeah. You know, no big deal. Anyway, so so Darlene met Keith Gentry. While she was attending TSTC, mm-hmm. you know what TSTC is? Uh, Texas State Technical College? Yep. Okay, that's what I thought. Yep, yep, yep. When you ask me, I immediately like think, wait a minute, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't even said anything yet. It's just my brain thinking that. It was a trick. Yeah, you do that to people. Go ahead. Yeah, where she was, so she was studying uh, to become a dental assistant. And she said in one of the interviews later that it was because she hated her teeth. Mm. So I guess because there's plenty of pictures and the pictures show perfect teeth. So I would assume she had some work done Mm -hmm. because they're like too perfect, you know, like Barbie doll perfect. I mean, they did say she looked like Barbie doll. So, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this was there. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about if if you look them up. Uh, so anyway, apparently she didn't like her teeth. She thought, Hey, I'll be a dental assistant. She said she really wasn't a hundred percent sure exactly what she wanted to do for a living. She just, that would seem like a good idea at the time. So she was going for that. Uh, she met Keith Gentry who was at the time studying to become a welder, mm-hmm. um, at PSTC. So they started dating. Uh, after Darlene graduated, she said she was ready to get married and start a family, but Keith was still kind of in his party stage mm-hmm. and he said he wasn't ready for that yet. So they broke up. So, um, Darlene moved to Dallas, which is about a hundred miles away. Mm-hmm. And she went to work for a dentist, but she didn't really seem to like doing it. She said she wasn't a, a huge fan of the dental assistant life and, her car was stolen while she was living in Dallas. And so that kind of seemed to be the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Right. And she decided through this, I'm done. She moved back home, got back with Keith. And in 1999, uh, Keith proposed to her and they got married shortly after that. Okay. Uh, So Keith and Darlene moved into the house next door to Keith's parents in Robinson, Texas, Mm -hmm. which is right outside of Waco. And, uh, Keith took a job as an engineer at a utility company, which had him traveling. I think they said four days out of every week. So they had had three boys at this point when he took this job and they were basically born back to back. There's no real information about the kids, but that's probably better anyway. Um, so Darlene was kind of happy to have the, the in-laws next door to kind of help out while she was at work and whatever else. Right. Um, she came home from being a dental assistant, I guess, in that time between when she moved back from Dallas and having the three kids, she ended up with a nursing degree. And, you know, we all know what nursing hours look like. Yeah, They're crazy. Yeah. So you can imagine having your in-laws next door would probably be a huge benefit. 
as yeah. far as babysitting and all that. So, right. Uh, eventually, Keith took a job closer to home, like a desk job, but it didn't pay nearly as well as his previous job. And it didn't really take long at all for the money issues to start. Mm-hmm. So they started having fights. Everybody said they were fighting over stupid stuff, but it was kind of, it all came back to money. And apparently Darlene had spending issues and Keith was not a fan. So Keith was like obsessed with his credit. Darlene could give two shits. Right, right. So that was pretty much where all the fights stemmed from. On November 8th, 2005, Darlene told her mother-in-law that she was meeting a friend in Temple at Fuddruckers. So does everybody have Fuddruckers? Or is that like a, is that a Texas thing? Is it a, no, I don't think it's a Texas thing. Is it a Texas you know, thing? I don't remember I mean, seeing Fuddruckers anywhere. I, there was one in College other Station. Other than here. Well, right. I'm just saying, like. That's the only place I've ever known it to be. Is That's the only place I've ever seen it is in College Station. It is an American fast food franchise. It is the Texas restaurant. It was founded in San Antonio. How, how do you know this stuff? Like, it's it's like Wings and More. I didn't know that that was a Aggie thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I assumed they were everywhere, and you were like, no. It's Aggie. <laughs> I it's, wish they were everywhere. It's Aggie-owned and operated. <laughs> so, yeah, so Fuddruckers. Um, I have been to a Fuddruckers. There was one um, in College Station that I went to. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I thought it was a really good burger. But apparently, I mean, it's all right. It's overpriced. It's an oh, overpriced, okay burger. Overpriced. But apparently, a lot of people didn't like it because I don't think it's there anymore. Uh, I don't. I think you're right. I don't think it's open anymore. And it's not just. So they're no, they're all over. So it's not. A, maybe so. I'm it was, looking up their locations, and there there's tons in Texas, but they're in Mexico, Canada, Panama, Virginia. Yeah. Tennessee, South Dakota, South Carolina. Puerto but Rico, I didn't know that it was yada, 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 yada. it was founded in Texas, so that that mm-hmm. was, yeah. you know, that they're apparently they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't I don't get it because they're not that great. I mean they're okay. Yeah. But, I mean. I prefer Hop Dotties. That's my jam. If I'm gonna get a burger, I'm gonna go get it at Hop Dotties. Like if I'm gonna get an overpriced burger, if I'm just gonna get a regular burger, I'm probably gonna go to like Freddy's. But. An overpriced burger, Hop Dotties is the place to go. I've never been there. Oh my god, they just built one uh, in College Station a few years ago. But it, oh my god, it's so good. Hmm. And it's like all fresh, and that like they like they they make the buns and stuff there fresh every day. You can watch them through a little window making it. It's so good. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I recommend the El Diablo. It's so good. It's got sriracha's on it. Mm. Mm. Um, but they do like to put fried egg on it, so make sure you don't get one with fried eggs. Cause no, it's not that's, good. that would be my jam. Oh, you that's like? The way to do it. I don't like the fried eggs. Oh yeah. They do like to put fried oh. eggs on it, but I don't like them with fried eggs. Yeah. But hot dogs. Okay. Is so anyway. Fud so Rutgers. moving on from Fud Records. All right. We got it. So anyway, okay. So she had told her mother-in-law she was meeting a friend at Fuddruckers so that her mother-in-law would babysit the boys for her. And later on, we're going to find out that was a lie, right? Mm. 
but we don't know who she was meeting that night, but we can probably make some pretty good assumptions, right? You're not going to lie about meeting a friend at Fuddruckers unless you're doing some sketchy shit, right? Yeah. Either way, uh, she gets home late, and then she decided to sleep in the boys' room. So uh, just before 6 a.m. the next morning on November 9th, Darlene calls 911 saying that somebody, somebody broke into their house and had opened a gun cabinet and stolen all their guns. And then she just kind of casually mentions the fact that there's blood all over her bed and that Keith is bleeding. Mm -hmm. So here's what we're going to do. So let's, let's go ahead and play the 911 tape. Okay. Okay, we're going to talk about this piece by piece, okay? Okay, let's do that. Okay. I like it. I got it this morning. I was in my son's room because I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. Already she's providing too much detail. Right. Good eye. So the, the detectives wait, wait. actually, and I'll, and I'll put this in real quick. So the detectives actually said... They call that burying the lead, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. The fact that you say a whole bunch of stuff early. Yeah. Right? And yeah. you're kind of fluff. Uh-huh. Yep. But yep. go ahead. So, like, you have to think about it from, like, our perspective, right? You wake mm -hmm. up and you find something is wrong with your wife and you call 911. Right. Right. The last thing you're going to do is, well, Gavin's in his room and then so-and-so right. is in here. No, you're going to be like, my wife needs help. Get here now. We'll worry about the logistics I had a headache later. yesterday. Yeah. Hold on. I had a headache. So here's why I was conveniently not sleeping with my husband. Right. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Okay. Hold exactly. on. My my back door was open. My husband's what is all gone? Guns. Gu oh. I want to say guns are all gone. Yes. My husband, guns are all gone. There's blood on the bed. He's struggling. Something Something's coming out of his mouth. He's got pink foam coming out of his mouth. Pink foam. Hmm. And he's making a god-awful sound. Yeah. So my husband's laying there. He's got pink foam coming out of his mouth, and he's making a god-awful sound. I don't see anything. I mean, the back door was wide open. Why yeah. does my house smell like sausage? Oh, I have my crock pot on. <laughs> Rando, I'm going to leave that in. No! <laughs> okay so so here we are right we're explaining we're explaining all this stuff so that the 911 operator understands why i am not in the room with my husband when he gets shot in the head mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. we're explaining 
the fact that there's blood everywhere. He's got pink foam coming out of his mouth and he's making a God awful sound. Mm -hmm. Does that sound like somebody who is freaking out about anything at all? Or does it just sound like somebody that doesn't give a flying shit? You know what I mean? I mean, I don't think I could imagine seeing my significant other laying in a bed with pink foam coming out of their mouth and gurgling or whatever sound we're talking about here without losing my shit. You know what I mean? How, how do you say that? Well, listen, in a calm sense. I, I, I'm not going to judge her on the fact that she's calm because everybody reacts to things differently. And a lot of people, when they're in shock, they'll sound like they don't care. Like, for example, I feel like if, if it, if this was Nikki on the call, I think that she would mm -hmm. sound super calm because she would be so determined to, to get, to get help. Oh no, she'd be losing her shit. Oh, she would definitely be losing her shit. I mean, but she'd be able thing. to speak Let's, clearly. Yes. And I'm not saying you can't speak clearly. What I'm saying is you would be breathing faster, your heart rate would be elevated. Oh, yeah, you definitely. would be in a panic mode. Yeah. Not in explain what's going on mode. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. get me wrong, I'm not saying you can't explain what's going on. Yeah. But there is no panic in her voice at all. It's just yeah. like this is weird. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's and, and the I fact get that, that she's everybody like, deals, with, deals with stuff differently, but this is... I, I agree with you. She does sound super nonchalant. She's like, so I was sleeping in my son's bed because I couldn't sleep last night, so I was in there, and I come I in here... made an egg. My coffee wasn't quite as strong as I wished it was. Yeah. And oh, so, by the way, my husband's dying. Yeah. Like, instead of being like, come quick, something's wrong with my husband, he has foam coming out of his mouth. And da, da, da. she's like, and so the back door is open. His guns are gone and mm -hmm. there's blood on. Oh, the by bed. the way, he's dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why do they need to know his guns are gone? Why do they need to know she slept in her son's room? Well, and I understand explaining that later or I understand somebody even asks, explaining it then. But but also how like she walks in, she walks in and she immediately notices his guns are gone. That's my last yep. notice. Like I would, that's the right. last thing I would notice. And just to keep her story uh -huh. involved here, uh -huh. she, she said that she walked out of the kid's room and she noticed the back door was open. She thought, Oh, I left it open because she had just changed the diaper the night before. And she thought maybe I didn't shut the door all the way. Right. So she went to shut the door when she turned around. That's when she noticed the gun cabinet and the door was open to the gun cabinet. And all the guns were gone. So she yelled and said, Keith, you know, all your guns are gone. Uh -huh. And he didn't answer. So she went in there. And that's when she's saying she saw him. Then she turned and walked out of the room and called 911. That's her side of the story. So it, it, there's, I'm not saying you can't notice that. And I'm not saying it's not, you know, that's a problem. But it just the nonchalant way she's saying it. In a situation where you know he's dying, right? Yeah. He's not... He's not like, oh, hey, I got a, I got a gunshot wound, call the cops, or anything like that. He's gurgling pink foam out of his mouth. Is that consistent with the gunshot wound? Uh, yeah, in her, in his head. Well, I don't understand. I don't understand the purpose of the foam. Well, he's trying to breathe, and he's got blood basically leaking down his throat into his lungs. Yeah. And then he's trying to breathe, and it's churning that blood up. So it's there's your pink foam. That was a little graphic. I wasn't expecting you to get so graphic with it. 
<laughs> That's fair. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, now let's add in the fact that she's a nurse, right? Yeah, she is. So, you're a nurse. She admits later she didn't even try to render any type of first aid, CPR, anything. Now, she Isn't says she was illegal? in shock. What's that? Isn't that illegal for a... I don't think it's illegal. I mean, it can be considered normal in a... In, in a po- there's a possibility it could be normal. Yeah, I want to say that somebody that I know way back when said that if a doctor or registered nurse or cer- someone certified in the medical field, licensed in a medical field, if at any point in time they do not stop what they're doing to render aid to someone that needs it, they can lose their license. And I can see that in a professional sense. Yeah. Right? If you're at a hospital and somebody's I mean, she should definitely be and you don't stop what that. you're doing to help. No, no, I'm saying like oh, when absolutely. you're if you're driving down the road and there's a car accident, you're supposed to stop yeah. and make sure well, that they that. don't need medical attention. Allegedly. Right. But I Well, I, don't I think know. I think at this point the least of her worries is her professional field. Right? No, she should be concerned. So we should we should well, take her license. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, you probably won't need to take her license. All right, let's let's find out what happened. I'll make the I'll yeah, decide yeah. that let's later. Let's do that. Okay, let's do that. When police arrive on the scene, uh, they find a pile of guns in the front yard. They go in the house. They find Darlene and the three boys. They clear the house, right? So they tell her to kind of go back into another room. They go through. They clear the house. They make sure nobody's in there. Uh, Keith had a gunshot wound to the back of his head and he was still alive when the cops showed up. So they had, I guess they had already, I'm sure they already had paramedics on the way. So paramedics transferred him to the hospital immediately. Wow. He was still alive. Um, still alive. Wow. So the detectives asked Darlene to come down to the police station to give a statement and she had no problem going. She went willingly. Well, of course, because... She, I mean, right. she doesn't know anything because she was sleeping in her son's room because she couldn't sleep the right. night before and the back door was open and the guns were missing. So, of course, yeah. she's going to be willing to talk about it. I mean, anything to help now. Right. So, uh, she took the kids over to her in-laws, dropped them over there, and then they started the interview. So, they, she told the investigators that her, her kids had been sick and they couldn't sleep, so she stayed up with them in their room watching TV. Like we heard in the 911 call, she said she woke up, she walked out of the room, and she saw the empty gun cabinet. She yelled for Keith. He didn't answer. So she went to the bedroom, found him covered in blood. So investigators asked Darlene why she didn't even try to do CPR or render any type of aid. And that's when she got defensive, saying that maybe she was just in shock or a fog or something, and she she couldn't explain it either. She's saying she doesn't know why. I, hmm. If that's your job, I feel like that would almost be second nature. You know what I mean? I mean, how many times do you hear the 911 call where the 911 operator is like, okay, here, do this, and walking people through CPR? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And these are people that have no training whatsoever, and they're just trying to do whatever they can. Yeah. And she's in another room, not worried about it, explaining nonchalantly. So it's not looking good on her end. So She's very suspicious to me right now. Yeah. So the detectives aren't buying her story either, though. Mm-hmm. And about an hour into the inter- interview, they get word from the hospital that Keith had been pronounced brain dead and that she needed to go to the hospital to sign to get him off of life support. Yeah. So they take her to the hospital. Uh, the detective said that she kind of, they said she mourned quietly. I think that's probably generous. 
but they said it was definitely not something you would expect from someone who had just lost their husband, let alone in that situation where... In the manner that it happened. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I yeah. mean, chaos. You would think there would be some real freak out going on. Yeah. Uh, so according to a friend, when she came out of Keith's room after signing the paperwork and whatever else, uh, she started a conversation with one of her close friends. And this was the one that she had been out with the night before or said she had been out with the night before. Yeah. And she was talking to her, just making sure they were on the same page with their story. So, and I don't, this may not have been for the police as much as it may have been for the mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Right. But that's what she was worried about. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was her, that was her state of mind. It wasn't about Keith or, I mean, you just signed paperwork to, to take somebody off of life support and you're worried about making sure that your story's straight from the night before. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So after Keith dies, it's a couple days after Keith dies, Darlene decides that she doesn't want to live at that house anymore. And she contacts a local man uh, named Robert Pavelka uh-huh. about buying a house. So this was, he was like a real estate developer slash builder. Yeah. One of those guys, the guy you would call if you were looking to buy some property. A realtor. That's what they are. Well, I don't think he's as much a realtor as he is more of a developer, huh. right? He was a friend of hers. Mm-hmm. And it may have been some property that he developed that he was actually trying to sell. I'm, the the details are pretty pretty slim on that. But um, so she called him. She called Robert Pavelka at, about buying a new house, and he agreed to show her some property. So I guess he she was going to buy the property, and then he would build the house. I think was what the plan was. So he showed her this property, and it had a pond on it, and she said that it would be perfect because the kids could fish in it that it was something that Keith had always said he wished he could get for the boys. So um, during the investigation, the police went through the stack of guns in the front yard, right? Right. And they started to inventory each gun. And I'm guessing here because they don't really explain how, but I would imagine that they had Keith's parents over there kind of identifying each gun and saying, okay, this one, this one, this one, this one's missing, right? Because they said that there was one pistol that was missing out of all the guns. Like everything was there except for this one pistol. And it was a nine shot 22 revolver, Hmm. uh, which happens to be the same caliber that Keith was shot with. So the reason this pistol stuck out was because it was actually a pistol that Keith's father had given him a few years prior. It was a gift. As the investigation continues, detectives find out that Keith had two life insurance policies on himself in the amount of $750,000. Ooh, that's nice. And of course, who gets the money? Uh huh. Does she? I mean, or does I mean, it go his to wife. His kids? Of course. No. He's not thinking this. Who would expect that? Obviously. Nobody thinks but Barbie's going to kill him. Do you get life insurance if they commit suicide? No. Well, I mean, unless it's a special policy, but this is not a suicide case. Well, that's what she's claiming, though, right? Oh, no, she, no, the back door was open. Oh, that's no, right. She's, right, she's claiming murder. I'm sorry. She's claiming <laughs> theft slash murder. I'm sorry, I'm so confused at what her claim is. Because... <laughs> Obviously. So I wasn't sure if she... Yeah, I wasn't sure if she was going for the suicide thing or the murder thing or the robbery thing. I wasn't sure. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. She's probably not sure either. Yeah. She's going to see what they come up with and she's going to be like, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So <laughs> at this point, now we have a pistol missing, right? 
a really shaky, weird case from her, a 911 call that doesn't sound very convincing, and a $750,000 life insurance policy, right? Mm-hmm. So police feel like they've got all the info they need to go ahead and get an arrest warrant for Darlene. So on November 27th, uh, I, I'm guessing it's really hard to find dates on these small town cases, but I guess it's November 27th of 2005. Yeah. Um, so... Was that 20, 20 days, 19 days later? Yeah. Eight, 18 days after the murder or the alleged murder. They get the request and are granted the warrant. And her trial was set to begin February 6th, 2007. So over a year later, which is crazy. Um, but Keith's parents are not convinced of anything at this point. And nope. They actually helped Darlene raise the $50,000 she needed for her bail. And they said, quote, we have 100% faith in her that she didn't do anything. And that's according to Wayman Gentry, which is Keith's dad. Which seems odd. Yeah. Right? That the gun that he gave his son that looks like he's been shot with is missing. I guess if you're really, if you really don't suspect somebody. And that gun is the only gun missing. And you think, okay, somebody robbed this place. They dropped all the guns in the front yard. Who knows why? Maybe they just couldn't carry it. Yeah. Maybe they something spooked them. They ran. I guess he's thinking, of course, they'd keep the murder weapon of all of them. I can see that. Maybe. It's hard to see past reality in this point. Right. True. So when Darlene gets out on bail, she contacts Robert Pavelka again and said that she was ready to go ahead and purchase the property that she, that he had shown her. But now she wanted him to fill in the pond. What? Yeah. Seems odd, right? Yeah. The pond that she thought would be so great is now the pond she wants filled in. Yeah. So Robert, thinking this was suspicious, contacted the police. Now, can we take a moment here? To appreciate. Right? And applaud, applaud <laughs> Mr. Pavelka for doing the right thing for once, right? Yes. I mean, how many times do we talk about these suspicious circumstances that people are like, well, you know, I just I just thought they were having a party. Yes. And nobody calls the cops for 20 damn years. Yes. And 17 other people are murdered. And they're like, holy crap, I think I heard that happening. And then this guy is like, nope, not cool. <laughs> Calling the cops. Exactly. So, well done, Mr. Pavelka. Yes. Um, so when he calls the police, the police obviously feel like this was suspicious behavior as well. Right. And knowing they don't have the murder weapon automatically think, Hey, maybe she threw the pistol in there. That's my first thought. So, right. So they go out to the pond, they get together a team of divers and in 15 minutes, they find the freaking pistol. Of course they did. Right. Yeah. So here's where they get tricky. So the detectives get a little sneaky here and they ask Robert to call Darlene back, but let her know that in order for him to fill in the pond, he's going to need to drain it first, but to tell her that he can't do it that day because his pump isn't working and that he'll have to do it the next day because he'll have it fixed. Mm. Right. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah. They're setting her up. So they set up cameras around the pond and they wait and it's like 20 minutes later. She shows up. She shows up to the pond with waders on 
walked out into the pond and starts poking around with a stick. And they even, they stuck a stick in the pond, like right where the pistol was found. So that it was obvious, right? Yeah. And she was like all over that stick, poking around, trying to find what she was trying to find. And she was there for a while. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, there is absolutely no question. Now, in her defense, you know, because this is America and everybody's allowed to defend themselves. She says that it. she heard a rumor that the killer had thrown the gun in that pond and that she was trying to help the police and she was going to go find that murder weapon. And she said that she, when she got there, she thought, oh, this isn't smart because the killer could be here or anybody could see her doing this. But she did it anyway because she was. Um, she was looking for her trying, murder weapon, trying to help her husband. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, you, you can see how this went down. You yeah. Know, there's just not. Yeah. So. That footage was showed at the, to the jury. And it, keep in mind, this was when they went to trial. I don't know when they told the defense team about this video, but it was not. They didn't know about it until a couple of days into the trial. Yeah. So obviously they gave him enough time that it wasn't something that caused any type of mistrial or anything like that. But it caught him off guard hard because they thought they were coming into this with no murder weapon. No, mo well. If any motive, it was normal, you know, life insurance motive. Mm -hmm. And it may be a sketchy 911 call that they can explain away. They sure as hell did not expect this. So this caught them off guard. And then the crazy part was right after this video was shown, the um, the prosecutors rested their case, right? Mm -hmm. Right after the prosecutors rest their case, the defense does their thing. And then they rest their case without even mentioning that video. They didn't say a word about it. There was not wow. any type of explanation given whatsoever. I mean, what do you say? What do you say there? Yeah. You know, I mean, Darlene's trying to come up with something now, but this is later. She's in prison doing these interviews. Even that would have been nice to have seen. She said she was shocked by her own defense that nobody even brought it up. <laughs> So after the defense closes, the jury goes back and they deliberate for five hours. They find her guilty and sentence her to 60 years in prison. Wow. 60 years? Uh, 60 years. That's it? So according, according to KXXV, the local news station, she was unemotional when the verdict was read and stopped to take off her earrings before, taken in, before being taken into custody. In 2010, uh, a judge granted full custody of the three boys to Keith's parents, and he also prohibited Marlene from having any contact with them. So she's not even allowed to see or talk to her kids. She filed multiple appeals right after the trial was over, asking for a new trial, saying that she wasn't granted a change of venue and that the case had been too public. And she also said that she wasn't given full access to all the evidence, so I'm guessing something about the video probably, because I think she was trying to say they couldn't use the video mm -hmm. of course that didn't work and that she tried to produce evidence of keith's infidelity it was something about keith and this other couple having herpes i think was what she was oh trying God. to get passed on that uh that may have showed motive right that uh maybe keith was having an affair with another lady who ended up giving her husband herpes and then he got mad and decided to kill keith mm -hmm. i you know i don't know either way the judge wouldn't allow that 
saying that it wasn't relative to the case. And in 2017, the Texas criminal Texas Court of Criminal Appeals denied all of her appeals. So she gets wow. no new trial and she will be eligible for parole in 2037. Now that's eligible, right? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, whether she gets it or not. I kind of doubt it. This one's a little too slam dunky for me. Sounds like it. I don't know. So that's that one. Mm-mm-mm. Had you heard about that before? No. It's like a combination of stupidity and I don't know. She just, to me, she's like the definition of dumb blonde cheerleader type. Yeah. Which not all cheerleaders are stupid or blonde, just so you know. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw that out there real quick before you get crucified. I'm just saying that. By all seven listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And blondes are not all stupid. I'm just saying, like, there's a reason why that uh, type of girl has that. Is a stereotype? Yeah. Well, and it's also, if you watch the interviews, which I guess I'm sure you will at some point, but she's she's definitely country. Like, country in a heavy way. Like, she's not... She's definitely not the smartest box of rocks out there. You know, I think she got a long way with her Barbie looks. She's not the world's smartest criminal. Yeah, not the sharpest pencil in the box. 